Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Wednesday. It is hump day. Uh, so glad you made it uh, here with us today. We're halfway through the week. Uh, we have a fantastic show planned for you. A special guest in studio. Round of applause for SEC Basketball Player of the Year in 2003. Ron Slay in studio with us today. Uh, Ron is a big star here in Sports Talk Radio in Nashville, Tennessee. Uh, I think Ron's with the SEC Network as well, uh, so you may have seen him there. Ron covers primarily basketball for the SEC Network, but those of us here in Nashville know Ron talks a pretty mean game in football as well. He is well-loved in the SEC area, terrific personality, tremendous college basketball player. What happened to you in the NBA, Ron? Man, that's a great question. I ain't figured it out yet. You know, I'm, but I'm open to all answers. Anybody want to put something in a box, in a mailbox or something, I'm, I'm with it. I would love to know. Okay. I think it was, the matter of fact, might have been the first player to win SEC Player of the Year and not get drafted. It's a whole other story, though. Yeah, we, we got to get to the bottom of that. All right, and so Royce White is going to join us at the top of the show as well. Uh, we're going to talk some NBA. We're going to talk some Draymond Green and Russell Westbrook. Uh, and then after we get done with basketball, we're going to pivot uh, back into our conversation, kind of wrapping up uh, our roll call weekend that we just had this past weekend. Uh, Pastor Anthony will be here, Shamika Michelle, uh, Virgil will be here. Uh, who am I forget? TJ Moe is going to come. Uh, so anyway, did I mention Shamika as well? Yeah, yeah. we're going to talk some music and stuff like that. So uh, fantastic show. We'll start with a fire starter. But first, before I get to that, I want to start a fire uh, with you personally about uh, my good friends and our good friends at Patriot Mobile. Uh, you guys know I got my Patriot Mobile phone about two months ago now, and it has worked awesome and wonderfully for me. Uh, Patriot Mobile supports our values, my values, American values. Patriot Mobile is, you know, 100% U.S.-based, uh, benefits us. Patriot Mobile, you should be switching to this phone company. It I can authentically say, anybody that gives you any concerns about coverage and, oh, what's it going to be like? It's not a major carrier, or why should I switch it in? I got it. I've been using it. I haven't had one piece of trouble. This thing is awesome. You need to quit dumping millions of your dollars into uh, companies and corporations that don't support your values. Patriot Mobile does. Patriot Mobile's America's only Christian conservative wireless provider offers dependable nationwide coverage on all three major networks. So you get the best possible service in your area without the woke propaganda pushed by leftists working hard to destroy this country. When you switch to Patriot Mobile, you support free speech and religious freedom, the sanctity of life, the Second Amendment and our military veterans, first responders, all the heroes. 100% U.S. based. All you have to do is go to patriotmobile.com slash Jason or call them right now at 878-PATRIOT. Get free activation today with the offer code Jason. Ask about their coverage guarantee while you're there. That's patriotmobile.com slash Jason or call 878-PATRIOT. All right, you guys know what to do. Support Patriot Mobile. Be a good, fearless soldier. Support the sponsors that support this show. Uh, 
Now it's time uh, for me to start a fire, and then we'll get a reaction from Royce and Ron as we talk a little NBA. I have a problem with the one-game suspension handed down to Golden State Warriors forward Draymond Green. It exposes a bias and an unfairness that damages the NBA. It reinforces the fact that fans no longer matter. Why do I say this? Because 24 hours before Green lightly stomped on the chest of Sacramento Kings all-star DeMontis Sabonis, Russell Westbrook confronted a Phoenix Sun fan inside a lounge at halftime. Westbrook cursed at and menaced the fan in front of a child. The NBA has taken no action against Westbrook. They're investigating the situation, allegedly. The lifeblood of sports has long been fan, the fan. The fan buys the tickets, the jerseys, the concessions, the TV, league packages, and whatever else sports leagues sell. The fan is the customer. And in long ago America, the customer was always the highest priority. That has clearly changed. The player is now the highest priority. The fan is taken for granted. The Draymond Green controversy and the Wessel Westbrook non-controversy prove my point. The NBA disciplined Draymond Green because it is concerned with protecting the players. The NBA won't do anything, except maybe a harmless fine, to Wessel Westbrook because it has no interest in protecting fans. Who is more worthy of protection, fans or players? I believe the fans are. Sabonis has paid millions of dollars to step between the lines and compete with Green. Occasionally, tempers are going to flare and the physicality will cross the line. It's expected. I have no problem with the NBA making every effort to curtail violence between players. Draymond has a history of dirty play and cheap shots. It makes perfect sense for the league office to suspend Green. He's not a first-time offender. He's a habitual line stepper. In a statement justifying the suspension, the league mentioned Green's history of violence in histronics. Let's remember, Green started this season by punching and injuring teammate Jordan Poole. But why does the NBA have no passion for protecting fans? Russell Westbrook has a long history of conflict with paying customers. At some point, you have to realize Westbrook is the common denominator in all the conflict. Or do you believe every NBA fan is a closet racist? Do racists now spend thousands of dollars to sit courtside and support primarily black NBA players? Does the NBA have no interest in curtailing conflict between fans and players? It would be a mistake to normalize players confronting fans inside lounges and areas reserved for customers. The NBA's inaction on fan abuse speaks loudly about what the league thinks of its paying customers. They're an afterthought. A league that once promoted itself as fantastic is now fanphobic. During the 1980s, a big part of the league's marketing highlighted the fan experience. All marketing now is about the player's experience. The NBA caters to elites. The most entitled elites inside an NBA arena are the players. They've been pampered and coddled since age 10. They're overly sensitive. They demand to be treated as royalty because of the money they earn playing a game. What's worse is the media justifies the player's narcissism and entitlement. They applaud Westbrook for clapping back at hecklers. The media identify with the athletes far more than the fans. This is a ramification of social media and the injection of female broadcasters into men's sports. 
Media members have hecklers too. Most of the hecklers hang out on Twitter. I get the instinct to lash out at these so-called haters. They're difficult to ignore, but it's far wiser and appropriate to ignore them than combat with them. It takes a level of maturity and thick skin to ignore hecklers. All right, let me be real here. In 1998, when I was a 31-year-old columnist for the Kansas City Star, my employer suspended me for two weeks for engaging in a taunting match with New England Patriot fans. I was seated in the front row of the press box, and Patriot fans began heckling me. I scribbled clever one-liners on a sheet of paper and held them to the window. I was having fun, but it was inappropriate. I got the punishment I deserved. A decade later, I covered a Kansas versus Kansas State basketball game at Bramlage Coliseum. The entire crowd thought I hated K-State head coach Frank Martin and unfairly favored Bill Self and the Kansas Jayhawks. When I walked into the arena to take my seat, the entire crowd booed and taunted me. It was the wildest thing I'd ever experienced as a sports writer. K-State fans heckled me throughout the game. Fans, fans stared daggers through me. I never responded to any of it. Fans can do whatever they want. They don't have to like me. They don't have to say nice things to me. It's all ironic now because Frank Martin has become one of my favorite coaches and he's one of my favorite people on the earth. Most sports media members are every bit as soft and entitled as Westbrook. They despise fans. They think fans are stupid. They're secretly hoping Westbrook beats up a fan. Me? I hope Westbrook runs up on the wrong fan. That's my fire starter. Here to talk about it with me, Morpheus from Minneapolis. Ron, you gotta check out, let's put uh, Royce on camera. You gotta check out Royce's setup. This is why we call him Morpheus. <laughs> Royce White, Ron Slay. Uh, I know y'all got some, even if y'all never met, just y'all both former basketball, but not former basketball players. Uh, say hello to each other. How you doing, guys. Royce, man? Good, man, how you doing, brother? Uh, Royce, we'll, we'll, we'll start with you. Uh, do you. Do you think Russell Westbrook should be punished uh, for running up on fans? Look, I can't, I can't speak about it in general terms uh, because I think you have to look at each situation individually, right? And, and, you know, for example, I think Russell Westbrook by and large, is just a little bit, uh, not a little bit, he's very sensitive. He's a sensitive guy. He, 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 is, uh, he has the syndrome of the talented child, the gifted child, and it's going, going very wrong with him. Um, and mostly because, you know, he, he, he's, he's one of those guys who has a very uh, dominant, you know, sort of, uh, a, you know, type A personality as far as even sports goes, but I, I'd say in life in general, but he's caught up in a bunch of wokeism. So he, he's very conflicted internally. And a lot of that lashing out comes from being conflicted internally as it would with any of us. So when he lashes out, I always see that, that the undercurrent of that. As far as players lashing out or clapping back at, at fans in general, I, I don't think that it's a, um, I don't think that it's a non-starter, you know, um, I don't necessarily disagree with the way that you frame the fan being uh, secondary. I think every impulse, every uh, sick, sycophantic, fanatic, uh, uh, you know, pleasantry and convenience that is possibly affordable to fans today is afforded to them. Come on, come to the arena, get drunk, be belligerent in front of your kid. 
Doesn't matter what you yell at a player in front of your kid, you know, call them name, whatever you want to do. As belligerent as you possibly can get, go ahead and do it in front of your kids. But then the players are expected to uphold some role model, uh, uh, you know, some some role model like persona in front of your kids. You know, I love when Charles said back in the day before he went woke, woke, I'm not a role model. You're your kid's role model. This whole thing has been mixed and conflated, in my opinion. So uh, Russell Westbrook's a diva. He's a prima donna. Uh, he's a very good basketball player. He's a very talented basketball player. He he has a passion to his game that you have to respect. And, and I would, uh, you know, I would encourage many young players to find that passion that Russell Westbrook plays with. Uh, but as far as him lashing out at a fan, it comes from internal conflict. Ron? Yeah. I disagree with Royce, but I'm going to let you go. <laughs> hey, listen, I, 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 feel, I feel similar to how Royce feel. Reason being, you get to a point where you want to get the fan experience, like you said earlier. The fan experience, you bring them into the arena, you pay extra money to be able to get to a lounge. Jerry World, I believe, set it off. When you got the fans walking by, like you going into the Coliseum of Rome, and you can be on the glass, you can get a guy's five, you can do whatever. So you can get that close to fans. Or you can get that close to players, I mean. So if that's the case, then it's a respect line too. You know what I'm saying? It may be imaginary, but it's a line right there as well. There's certain things you cannot say. I don't. I know, just like Roy said, you're coming in there, you're getting liquored up. That's cool. Have a good time. Cheer your team on. But you got to understand there's a line right there. I'm a man as well. I'm coming in here to entertain. I'm all in the game. And I'm taking everything that comes along with it. Now, I do believe you got to take it by each person. You know what I mean? Each person is different. Each individual is different. Like he said with Russ, Russ has a chip on his shoulder that's unlike a lot of other guys. You know, the way he's running around 30-plus years old, you'd be like, now, nah, how does he have this energy? He got this chip. So that right there alone carries him. So if anybody touched the chip, it only gets bigger. And he's ready to take it out on anybody. Except home, he acts the same way at home games or away games. It don't matter. You're going to get the same rust. I think this guy, man, when he confronted this fan, I feel like he was right. I don't think if I would have stepped all the way across that line, but I, would, I, I definitely would have said, hey, man, watch your mouth, man. Your son right there. I would have pointed it out that way. But at the same time, Russ handled it like he handled it. I don't believe you can just come out here and say anything to me just because you paid your money to be this close. That's not what we're here to do. But if you want to, understand that I'm going to say something back. And you want that fan experience? You got the fan experience you paid for. So now you can go back to your barbershops, your golf clubs, or wherever you want to go to and say, man, I talked to Russ, man. Man, Russ, man, we got into it. You can live with that story for the rest of your life. Russ gonna forget about that. Russ don't even know who that guy is no more, especially if it don't know fine come down. So is it the NBA to protect that? Or is it for Russ to protect that? I think it's the NBA. You gotta, you gotta cut that line off. Or do you, want the, do you want the dollars associated with it to get that fan experience feel? You know why athletes get paid so much money? Why? Because of the fanaticism. That's where the word fan comes from. Yeah. And so you start eliminating the fanatic, the guy that goes over the top. I used to be, I'm a long time since a baby Pacer fan. Yeah. I used to be a guy that would go to games, go to events, and I would yell. I'd yell and scream at the Pacers, and I'm a Pacer fan. Uh, yeah. uh, <laughs> front office people that, that I didn't like. Mm -hmm. and, and, and what I always thought was, and I still believe, it's like Russell Westbrook is getting paid $40 million to go play on that game. Yeah. That fan may have spent $2,000 to 
to for his fan experience. And he probably, whoever that guy is, maybe he's making five hundred, six hundred thousand a year. Maybe he's a millionaire. I don't know. But he's not getting the kind of benefit from basketball that Russell Westbrook is. And so to me, that stuff just gotta roll off your shoulders. And 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 just be like, who I'm here making money and, and taking care of my family and creating generational wealth. I'm the professional here. I'm not going to hold myself to the same standard as the fan. I'm going to hold myself to a higher standard. How long is that supposed to go, though? How long? Until I retire. It's just supposed to roll off your shoulder every single time? Now, now you got to understand, too, you coming in as a fanatic and as a fan. Russ, I believe, comes in as a character as well. With NBA is kind of getting WWE wrestling. Thank you. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So you come in as a character as well. So are you going to test that character? When Hulk Hogan ran out, are you going to smack Hulk Hogan upside the head? You know what I'm saying? I know I'm going old school for a lot of people. We can take it to Stone Cold Steve <laughs> Austin. I don't know. Undertaker, anybody. You're not smacking none of them upside the head. And it's a barrier right there. That same barrier should be in place, imaginary or physical, that you can't cross. Because this is a show. You come to enjoy the show. Now, the game that comes with it, once you get to this level, is totally different. But you can't, you can't, you can't do that, man. That ain't, that ain't cool. It's not cool. And I'm not going to sit there and accept that night in and night out. It's going to be one night in 82 games that I'm going to be like, hey, man, enough is enough, man. You ain't not, not tonight, man. I ain't with it tonight. Royce, you and Ron both great college players go into college arenas. Now, I know Ron went into some college arenas where the fans were nuts. I'm sure Hilton Coliseum, when you were there, I'm sure they were hard on visiting fans or whatever. College players used to put up with a level of harassment that NBA players don't, and they dealt with it and kept playing. I, I, I never saw college athletes getting into beefs with college kids or fans that were taunting them. I mean, come on, man. I, I'm wrong for holding the athletes to, particularly professional ones that are making 30, 40 million a year. I'm, I'm wrong for holding them to a higher standard? Um, I mean, no. No, they should be held to a higher standard. I mean, this, they should be held to a higher standard. I'm, I'm not saying that you're wrong for, for holding them to a higher standard. We should all hold ourselves to a higher standard, and the athletes are, are, are not, not lost on that. Um, I can say as a college athlete, one of the one of the stark differences between college sports and, and NBA sports is the pay. Um, and the college athletes for a long time have been um, governed under the rubric of an extension of high school sports, meaning that the college coach has a lot of the autonomy and they are governed by the university's uh, school and ethic rules or, or whatever school boards or athletic department or, or you know, whatever, whatever the, the authority there is at the university. So that kind of tapers and, and, and um, that tapers a lot of the behavior from athletes because we, we exist under that rubric in college. In the NBA, you're a grown adult. And in many ways, you're your own business. You're your own business by, by all measures. Um, and, and so it ch the, the dynamic changes. You see the dynamic there change in terms of the authority a coach has in, in the college game versus the authority a coach has in the NBA game. I would say a hidden dynamic there is the relationship between fans and crowds in college games and NBA games. Um, when I was in college, all of the student, uh, all of the student heckling very, sounded like white noise. 
I think the NBA arena is a lot more intimate and personal for the fans than the college arena. A lot of times the college fans are um, are a bit more distant away than the than than in the college arenas. Um, but I also think that the professional game is is much more predicated around alcoholism and escapism than it is school spirit or community spirit. You got to remember in the college games, it's a college town. It's all about that community for in large part. People who used to go there, they are they're the um, what do they call it? They're the, the the donors. They sit courtside, right? You got the school the school section. You go to class with these people. It's more about school spirit. It's more a genuine community event. The NBA game is all it's all prima donna. It's all diva. It's all WWE. It's all based on this 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 uh, hyper consumerism and escapism and, and and largely based on alcohol. So the the whole dynamic is different between college and the NBA. What I'll say about the, the the heckling piece is this here at my studio or in your studio we we don't get paid the same money to do what we do but we wouldn't we wouldn't allow anybody to come into our workplace and and yell at us uh that way i certainly wouldn't you come into my studio yelling like that i'll slap the taste right out of your mouth but that's just who i am so uh, you know i think this whole i think the whole dynamic of of athletes and our expectations of sports is this reflection of us wanting our society to be soft and and responsible at the same time. You can't have it both ways. We can't ask for it to be both ways. If we want the games to be out of control, we want to benefit from fanaticism, right? That's what we're saying. It the game wouldn't be the game without the fanatics. Well, when you when you have the unhealthy fanaticism, things come with that. A lot of times it's violence. Things get out of control. Fans fight, and and players can't be expected to uh to to not fall into that sometimes when when Russell Westbrook does it it comes from his own internal conflict when other I thought Ron Artest was justified don't throw no beer on me when I'm out here on the court don't throw no beer down here if you throw a beer down here and I can see who did it I'm coming in those stands and when David Stern said that was an immutable line he was would understand what I'm saying Jason when David Stern said that the immutable line is in the direction from the players to the fans and not the fans to the players he was setting a precedent that if you pay money, if you pay money, like you're saying, you're the highest priority. Well, it's very hard to bring morals and ethics into a conversation where you make money the highest priority in any conversation. No, no, money's not the highest order. Money's not the moral and ethic. There's a standard and a, a line of respect and human dignity that surpasses any money you put down in either direction. How much the money the players make, the coaches, the, the trainers, the fans, the security. There's a line of respect and human decency that should come into any arena, and sports sports uh, isn't 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 uh, isn't exempt. This is what I think. I think Roy's hitting it on the head. But at the same time, let me go back to my college experience. I was an agitator. You know, I, I'm football through and through on my soul. But I put that on the basketball court. You know, I got to play without a helmet on the basketball court, but I'm going to run into you like we're playing on the football field. That's, that was my mindset. That's what I am. I'm going to agitate the crowd. I need y'all to get heckle me. I get, that's going to fuel me. If you leave me alone, you might get an average game out of me. But when we go on the roll and you start heckling me, y'all in trouble. Y'all in trouble. So at home, I would have to make up things. Like, I stand on the baseline and be like, oh, man, this man talked about my mom, you know, doing the game. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm playing psycho, 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 psycho games with myself just to get me ramped up. So I understand that. But I'm playing in college. Like, like Roy said, man, you go to school with these people. Like, what's going to happen? You can separate this. This is a big old high school. That's how I'm looking at it. We represent. When we get pro, 
We get pro, I played 14 years overseas. You get pro, you're at work. You can't come to work and get away with doing that. Heckling is cool, but all the not being able to separate them when we leave the gym. After I leave the gym, I'm a man out here with a family. In college, when I leave the gym, I'm going back to my dorm. Oh, you know, you know what I'm saying? That's a whole different mindset. Now, NIL is changing that a little bit, so this is going to be a different type of responsibility that's going to be put on these players. But when I go to be a, jo- a professional and I'm working, no one, like Roy said, you can't walk in there and just say anything. Can't nobody walk in. I don't know. You might go slap. I don't know if I'm going to go like Royce and just slap a taste out of their mouth. I don't know how they're going to get in, first of all. But all I'm saying is you can't do that when you're working compared to when you're looking at um, players in college in that nature. Now, I'm going to agitate all day long. It's a part of the character. It's what I need to fuel me for the game. When we get out of here, I'm just like you. I'm going home to my family my little kid, whatever it may be, and I'm working. I'm off the clock. Like, I'm accepting everything that comes on the clock. Once I get off the clock, leave me alone. You know what I'm saying? I know when I get out, yeah, take pictures. If I don't want that, don't go out. Just stay home. But if you do, all that's coming with it, and I got the right to say, hey, man, not tonight, man. And you'll respect that outside of an arena. Part of me is so old that, like, the way... I evaluate a player's mental toughness. Mm-hmm. How do they play on the road? How do they deal with a hostile crowd? Is he tough enough that a hostile crowd actually brings out the best in him? I look at Westbrook, and this man gets triggered because somebody says, West Brick. Yeah. And again, I would imagine that's what this guy said to him and he came up and confronted because he's threatened to beat up Skip Bayless over the nickname Westbrook. Are y'all really telling me, and I know I'm reducing it down to Russell Westbrook and y'all, and particularly Royce, y'all having a bigger conversation about athletes in general. But, but Royce, are you telling me that we can't expect Russell Westbrook to deal with fans yelling Westbrook? He, the man went three and nineteen in that game, and and now he, he's gonna come up with this imaginary thing that calling him Westbrook is a bridge too far, and I'm not gonna deal with it. That 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 he's not as mentally tough as Kobe or Drew. Could you imagine what was said to Kobe in the the year of the rape allegations, and 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 he went through it and and continued to play at a high level. Uh, all of these guys face a level of heckling and and and, and whatever. Westbrook, this guy well, snapping because people are calling him Westbrook. Well, first of all, like I said in the in the beginning, I think Russell Westbrook is is a character of his own of his own consideration, and and we have to look at all the other things that Russell Westbrook has done and been part of in terms of, of, of fan drama. Uh, or off the court drama and, and evaluating this particular situation. It, it It's not lost on me that this fan may have said something very casual that was a little bit heckling and a little bit, you know, whatever negative in his view. And he overreacted because he's the type of dude that overreacts. I've got to be careful because Russell Westbrook in situations like this becomes a representative of, of many athletes. And a lot of the other athletes, you know, they're quiet. They don't really speak about much of anything. So when we talk about one athlete and one who's outspoken or flashy or more prima donna, they start to represent the the uh, the interests of all athletes. Well, 
there are times out there where athletes are completely justified in barking back at fans, saying stuff back to fans, getting physical with fans, and so on and so forth. This may not be one of those cases. Getting them and kicked out of the arena. Getting them kicked out of the arena. Because, And I'm sorry, I can relate as a fan. Well, no, if, let me if, show you. If but, these standards now, I would have been kicked out of an NBA arena at age 18, 19, 20 years old because Draymond or somebody would have been complaining about me. And and I, I are you kidding? I'm kicked out of the arena? I would have told him to let you Well, stay. no, no. The, 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 the problem, the, wait, but wait a second. Hold on, Jason. Let me, let me, let me explain this. The whole dynamic of the, the, the that is a re, the, the players asking that the fans be kicked out of the arena is a reaction to an older vanguard of rules where the players get fined for saying stuff back to the fans. That's where that comes from. The players are doing a little bitchy move where they go, well, if we're going to get fined for saying stuff to them, for swearing back at them or for saying profanity in front of kids, then we don't want to have to deal with them and, at all. Me, I, I, I'm in a blood sport now, MMA. When I come out of that, and when I go down to the octagon and, and I got to cross people who've been drinking all night for seven fights and they're all riled up because, you know, the first three undercard fights were shitty and there wasn't enough striking or action in them and they yell something or whatever. And I turn to them and say, hey, F you. Nobody from the promotions coming out to, to find me for that. Right. So there's this equal exchange in a sport like that. And the NBA, they have the veil of civility that they want to portray commercially and promotionally on TV that doesn't really exist all the time right there in the arena. So you're right. No, the, it, is, it is corny and weak and soft to go, hey, we got to get that guy kicked out. But it's equally corny and weak for the NBA to have set the precedent that instead of getting that guy kicked out, I could just say to you, hey, man, f*** off. What's the problem with the Good, now we move about. But they took that away from the players because they're perennial. This is the real about the NBA. They have a perennial organization. They want to treat the players like kids. And then we get mad when they become divas and spoiled. That's how the NBA wants it. This is what we don't like about the NBA and its power structure. They want to treat the, the players like kids. Well, you get grown-up kids. Let the kid stand up for himself. Let him speak on his own behalf. He doesn't need Adam Silver and an entire protectorate of, of NBA elites and administrators to stand up for him. He don't need that. Let him deal with that man on his own, man-to-man. How about just making some shots? I think that would make yeah. it simple, huh? <laughs> that would make it simple. That would make That'll it simple. That would set them up. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Royce. Appreciate it. Great job, as always. Uh, I got a follow-up for you, uh, Ron. All right. We're not done yet. Who would you, who, right now, today, who would you rather play with? Westbrook or Draymond? Mm. That's a tough one. That, that's a tough They both bring something. No, they bring a lot to the game. But, man, their emotions are volatile. It's like it, it, it's, it's in a volcano. If you can just keep it from erupting, it's going to be beautiful. Like, we can stand up there on the shore and watch it. Like, look at the smoke coming off of it. That's beautiful. But when it erupts, we got to run for cover. <laughs> so I don't, I, I don't know which one. I don't know which one I want. But if I had to, man, if I had to, it depends what my, the makeup of my team would be. Um, reason being, I think they're both in perfect fits for both of their situations. The Clippers need more fast break and times to, to get cheap buckets, sprinting, but a one-man fast break like West, Russell Westbrook. And the Golden State Warriors need a guy with more structure offensively 
and defensively that Draymond provides for them. You know, and if they were on different sides of the track, well, I couldn't take either one of them. There's no way Russell could play with Golden State. There's no way Draymond could play for the Clippers. They're both in perfect situations. That's why Russell has bounced all around because he got to find the perfect spot. So I, I'm – to answer your question, man. I, I, you know what? I, I'm, I'm looking at your <laughs> approval rating on both of them. Yeah. You got Draymond at a 62 and yeah. Russell at a 61. Yeah. So I, I think that means Draymond. <laughs> so I, by one. You see what I'm saying? You see I, I was teetering? And they could be different tomorrow. I might go change it tomorrow. But – you you gotta you gotta you gotta love them for who they are. The bad thing about it is you can't live well. You can't without Russ, but Draymond in his situation with the franchise, you can't live without him, and you can't win without him. That's the bad thing. Think about all the situations he's had with the Warriors. He sent people away. Anybody like Pool Pool? I send myself away, but I'll be right here with the team. Bob Myers and them can't get rid of him. They can't get rid of them because they need them. They brought Looney in. Looney can't do it. Iguodala got old. David West got old. James Wiseman couldn't fill that role yet. They didn't give him enough time to be that athletic guy. And plus, he wanted to score. Draymond is cool without scoring. Give me a lot of shooters. I average eight points, 14 assists, and 10 rebounds and be an intricate part to us winning a championship. And that's why they can't find no void for him. I mean, no filler, no filler for him. Can't get rid of him. And you think this isn't a last draw? For Draymond with the Warriors? Yeah. No. If they let's they're probably gonna go down 0-3. No. You don't they're gonna win without they're him. Gonna win without him. The reason being they got the fans. They're going back home. When have you seen Sacramento in this position since 04 go and win on the road? Not with this young bunch. Now I know Mike Brown, he got the special recipe, but it ain't gonna happen that way. I'm telling you, you look back last year against the Grizzlies. Draymond got put out of that first game. Golden State won that first game. Second game, they lost. Fans were behind them. They went back home, and it's different. A young Grizzlies team hadn't been, in against, hadn't been against a hostile environment like what Golden State prevent, presents. Now, on the opposite side, same thing for um, – Sacramento, they haven't been in this situation yet. Yeah, they are thriving. The regular season, one thing. Postseason, totally different. At home, you got away with a lot of hand checking, physical play. Think they're gonna let Curry and them do that? You gonna do that against Curry and them? Y'all already put E40 in them out the game. Put E40 out the game. You think them fans? E40 gonna be over there doing uh, whatever dance they got out there on the West Coast, right there on the sideline, high fiving them. They gonna be crazy in Game Three. They might beat them by ten or more. Who's going to win the series? That's different. And so if they bow out in the first round yeah. because of Draymond's silliness, yeah. and, and he's already he cost him the 2016 title, mm-hmm. he's part of the reason Kevin Durant bounced, mm-hmm. you, and you think they bring Draymond back. My question is, who are you going to put in that spot? You can't retool that team for the winning legacy, to, that winning tradition to keep on going without having that four-slash-five man that can do multiple things on the defensive end first and then be able to do the same thing on the offensive end. 
running the point forward spot to where the game is gone. You can play without a center. You can literally play without a center in, they, in their, in their um, situation. You can't do that. You can, who you going to feel right there? If you got somebody you can feel, then okay, let's go. But I can't think of nobody in the league that they're going to let get away that can go play that spot. Uh, Ron, good first effort. Go back. Uh, Fight up. Good, 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 good first effort. <laughs> Enjoyed having you on the show. Glad you dressed up. Yeah, uh, I had to. You, you look sharp. You said we were talking sports, right? Yeah. I came yeah. in sports attire. <laughs> <laughs> the next time we have you, we're going to get to the bottom of what happened to your NBA career. How, how are you going to be SEC player of the year? They paying you all that money at Tennessee. And you don't go? Who said they? See, hey, we didn't have no McDonald's bags. <laughs> we had none of that. Mm-mm. For real? Mm. No, sir. The SEC no, man. isn't paying this player of the hey, year man, in basketball. Listen, man, we run a tight ship, man. You got to get on there and work. You go to school and you come and play. What, Reggie White didn't slip you no money? I don't know what the minister was doing, man. The minister of defense was doing. Y'all got all kinds of all-time great it's, players. It's, it's a lot of them. It's a lot of them. Was, no, you you older than Eric Berry. He, EB, uh, EB came right after me, though. EB yeah. came right after me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. <laughs> Hold on. Uh, Maurice Fitzgerald, Buck's dad, didn't slip you no money. Hey, man, I, listen, man. If, if what's the what's the what's the what's the statute of limitation in this? Oh, room? oh. With NIL now, you can tell it all. Barkley oh, yeah, tells so, it yeah, all. He, I man, I had peanut butter jelly sandwiches, <laughs> man, fruit punch, hot dogs. I had it all, man. I, I was full, baby. I was full. <laughs> Thank you, Ron. No Great doubt. job. Love to have you back. All right, uh, hey guys, I want to tell you about uh, the new movie I've seen. You've heard me talking about Nefarious. Our good friend Steve Dace uh, here at The Blaze, The Steve Dace Show, uh, is central. He wrote the book that Nefarious is based on. It's a terrific movie. Uh, it's, it's kind of a cross between a horror action thriller, but light, it, it's, it's a mind. I can't say the word, but a, a mind F. Uh, is what it is. It, it will play with your mind. It will make you think. It's thought-provoking. Uh, it's got a great twist at the end. It's a convicted killer. He's being interviewed by a psychiatrist that's trying to prove or disprove whether he's fit for execution. Uh, one guy's a demon. The other guy's not. You gotta go see uh, Nefarious. It's a good movie. You guys know I'm very hard on movies. I walk out of most movies. I enjoyed Nefarious. Go to whoisnefarious.com. That's whoisnefarious.com. Find out where it's playing in your area, neighborhood. It is awesome. Go check it out. All right, don't go anywhere. We're going to get into our review of Roll Call Weekend. Some more review of Roll Call Weekend. This is the Michelle, Anthony Walker. All right, welcome back. Uh, we're going to spend the rest of today's show uh, recapping uh, Roll Call and looking ahead to uh, future events uh, that we will put on. We're definitely going to do a Roll Call 2. As I shared with you all yesterday, we're going to look to do some kind of family-centric event as well. Uh, but we'll start 
this part of the show off, uh, Shamika Michelle reached out to me and TJ after roll call and was saying that people in the audience had said to her that, hey, it's great, Jason's making a suggestion about starting your day with some gospel Christian music. And, and, and the guy asked Shamika, was like, hey, you guys should come up with a playlist of some suggested music. And so uh, we've had uh, Shamika do that. We've all given our little top five uh, gospel songs. Who, well, Shamika, you tell me who we got the top fives from and uh, about the playlist. And what we, I asked Shamika, I was like, you know what, look at our top fives and tell us what it says about each of us, <laughs> what our musical taste says about each of us as men, as Christians, or whatever. Uh, but we, Shamika has come up with a playlist that we'll, I think we put on Spotify. Anyway, let me shut up. Shamika, take over. Yes, we actually added it to Spotify and Apple Music, and I do think they're going to post it on YouTube as well so that you can have it. Now, the playlist, I mixed it so that it, it has a decent flow because everybody has, you know, a different taste. But I am going to tell you each song and who who suggested the song and what I think it, it means for them. Before I say that, Jason, I do want to say that I thought Roll Call was excellent. And I'm constantly telling people because somebody, as I was interviewing them, decided to interview me and wanted to know what I thought about Roll Call. And so. I was saying, you know, to them that I've always felt like there are good men and that men, we should not write them off as so many women have. And it was just great for me to see almost a thousand men there actually seeking the face and the voice of God and trying to figure out what their purpose is or renewing their spirit and getting re-energized. That was awesome to see. And someone this week talked about diversity just I think there was a young man I interviewed that was like nine years old. I know I interviewed a 17-year-old. There were a couple guys that were in their 20s. And But one thing I think we missed, Jason, is I interviewed a Muslim who was there. He had his plate towards the end. And I said, did you get another plate or you didn't eat uh, during lunch? And he said, well, you know, I'm Muslim and it's Ramadan and he couldn't eat until a certain time. And so I just want you all to be encouraged and to understand that this message is actually crossing, you know, face. And so I thought that was awesome as well. I got to FaceTime with someone's wife. Another man FaceTime his mother and she, you know, was smiling and I had to put the phone to my ear because I couldn't hear her. And she was just saying how much she was praying for me and she appreciated what I was doing. And I want to thank that young man as well, because in that moment I had to say, God, I thank you because although like he had no idea he was sharing his mom with me at that moment because it filled the gap for me. And so I just thought that the whole experience was awesome. But for you all to know that it's actually, you know, it's bigger than, you know, what a lot of people thought it would be. I thought that was awesome that there were people there that even have a different faith, but came hungry and felt like they would be filled. Um, so... Mm, that 
Hold on. You don't have to. We can linger here for because I was going to do it at the end, but now we'll just do it now. I did want your thoughts. What was was there any thing that you enjoyed more than anything else? And is there any suggestion that you have that might improve the next one? Um, I think what I enjoyed the most was just getting to meet people in person and interacting with them and having conversations with them. Um, you know, meeting Anthony and Isaiah, that was a father and son, Cynthia, Celeste, you know, the, these this is priceless when you actually get to put names with faces, maybe people that follow you over social media and you get to know more about them and just their experiences in life. And so that was the best for me. Of course, all of y'all speeches were amazing, but I really liked interacting with the people and having conversations with them and getting to know where they were from. I, I met a, a husband and wife. The wife was from Brazil, I think it was. And we stood there until I could pronounce her name right with the the R, rolling the R and everything, you know. So I think that was the most for me. If there was anything I would say for the next time, just make it bigger and better, you know, just continue, stay on this path because I think it is great. And I do see the vision in it. And I think it's what God wants to, to go out and, and multiply, be fruitful. And I think that is the vision that just to be fruitful, you know, and create more men that have a biblical worldview or the view of their purpose here in life to be protectors and providers and leaders. And so I would say the next time, Think bigger. Instead of a venue that holds a thousand, get a venue that holds five thousand and expect for it to be filled. The the I don't know how it landed with everybody. I've heard via email from a lot of husbands and wives that it landed exactly how I wanted it to land. But I also heard from a few people that were there in real time that uh, me saying that, uh, you know, moving forward, this will be men only. And here's why it didn't land with everybody uh, perfectly. How did it land with you? So I actually missed it because I think Bryson was supposed to come on before you. I had uh, gone to the bathroom, <laughs> so I didn't get to hear the announcement. I was told about it, and I was told that uh, it was 10 times worse than the person telling me. <laughs> so, But I didn't hear it. I wasn't in, in the um, space when you actually said it. So I didn't have any particular feeling about it. I do think that that's the best way to go. Go simply because you may have had 20 women there. I'm not sure how many this go round, but the next time it could be 200 women. And what I wouldn't want to happen is what I've heard about from some of these other um, coming togethers, even uh, conservative, where it just turns into a big hookup and you have stories coming from it where young girls have been sexually assaulted or young men are claiming that they've been solicited. So I think in order to keep it pure, I, I would say, you know, men only so that there's no distraction because I've heard about some of these conferences and 
all of the things aren't good. So in order to protect what you're doing, I don't have an issue with it. Yeah. And so, I, you know, I spoke specifically to married women and told them I got why they were there and uh, uh, actually appreciated them being there if that's what it took to get their husbands there. And I'd certainly get they've been made as one through the covenant of marriage. But, but I also want women to know that if their husbands come, there's not going to be a bunch of women there perhaps shopping. Uh, and, and, and so I was glad that the wives did come because the emails I'm receiving, the wives like, oh man, I feel so much more comfortable. I'm glad my husband was there. I'm glad I was there. They feel more comfortable. And then I think wives that maybe didn't make it will feel more comfortable when, when they know, well, hold on, you know, who's all coming and women can come and they'll potentially be single women, unescorted women there. And, and you know, what's really, I just don't want to raise any of those type questions. And just quite frankly, there's just conversations we have to have as men that can be compromised when there are uh, women in the environment. And so it's funny, uh, a couple of the feedback I got that was not positive actually came from, seemed to come from people, women that I actually invited there and paid to be there and were working. And I clearly was not talking to them uh, or I wouldn't have invited them. I certainly wouldn't have paid them. Uh, I wouldn't have had them there. But you just never know who, how something lands with somebody and I'm not the most disciplined speaker. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, let's get to our playlist. Okay, so first up, was the last one to actually uh, respond, Pastor Anthony. So his top five mm. songs are Forever by Jason Nelson, Let Your Power Fall, James Fortune, Sovereign God, Marette Brown Clark, We Worship You, Committed Acapella, and God Is With Us for King and Country. So what I think this says about Pastor Anthony is what I suspected that he drives around all day in his Jordans listening to Nuck If You Buck because it took him 13 <laughs> hours <laughs> to come up with these five songs. And I think at the last minute, he asked his wife, give me some songs, you know, or what is it that requires singing? I can't remember, you know. And so here, 13 hours later, he said, you know, I got this. I, I have these four songs, but then there's a tie between the fifth song. And then he sent this sixth song that was like a funeral song. And I'm thinking, well, we want them to, you know, be moved in their emotions, but not oh, grandma made the best biscuits, but now she gone. So <laughs> this is what I got from Pastor's and from his list. Uh, Anthony, you want to defend yourself? <laughs> I, listen, I, I love music. And so, you know, yesterday was just a busy day. I had, I had all kind of meetings yesterday, but I love music. And so to come up with my top five all time, that shifts every month. So like I said, recently, these are my top fives. I do wear my Jordans, I do sing, and there are a few other songs on my playlist. I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Next. <laughs> okay, so from Virgil, we got Every Praise, Hezekiah Walker, 
Power Belongs to God, Hezekiah Walker. Total Praise, Richard Smallwood. I Smile, Kirk Franklin. Hosanna, Kirk Franklin. And then he sent a sixth song, uh, Let Me Tell, Let Me Tell It, Commission. And what I felt like this said about Virgil was that he rides around with one of those CD cases where, you know, you put your CD in and then maybe the jacket of the CD goes behind it. And he said, ooh, let me think. And he thumped to one page and came across Kurt Franklin and chose two songs from that CD. And then thumped <laughs> to Hezekiah Walker and chose two songs from that CD and then tried to break it up with the fifth one, Richard Smallwood, which is a great song. But that commission, I was thinking... Virgil, are you really listening to that? You should just do like Fred Hammond and move on. So in the playlist, like <laughs> that's the first song because it just did not flow. But that's how I feel Virgil goes around with his uh, CD case. It's, it's alphabetized, you know, and he's just very organized. And that's Virgil. Oh, I'm sure. <laughs> I, I, I know he favors Kirk Franklin because they can see eye to eye. Uh, uh, right. <laughs> they brothers from another mother. Uh, we'll just we'll just leave it at that. But then you you stack them two on top of each other, and you got Steph Curry. Uh, <laughs> Next. Okay, from, from TJ, I got goodness of God, Jen Johnson. So Will I, Osby Berry, Ring and Robe, Dante Bowie, Break Every Chain. Da Dante Bowe from Maverick City. Oh, Bowe, okay. Break Every Chain, Tasha Cobbs, and It Is Well, Kristen DeMarco. What I thought this said about TJ is he ain't black. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> His songs are very what I got when I attended a predominantly white church. Very, you know, no riffs and runs, which I thought was great because we I actually sprinkled that through the rest of the list for people that got tired of all the riffs and runs. You know, a black person can say amen and it lasts eight minutes. So I thought that's what his list said. I was surprised by Tasha Cobbs. I thought maybe he called you to say, I need a fifth, a fifth one. <laughs> so, that, that's what I no, got. No, that's a classic. You know, I, I've heard from a lot of guys, you, you know, it's, I'll, I'll tell a funny story. Uh, there was a, a strip club in Kansas City that me and the owner was like a father figure to me and uh, I'd say three, four years ago, the doorman at that strip club, the work security, texted me three or four years ago, have you listened to Tasha, uh, Tasha Kyle's Break Every Chain? That's my favorite, that'll get you going, blah, blah, blah. What? He's giving his life to Christ, uh, has been following me and was following me on Speak For Yourself at the time and could you know, tell I had moved, yeah. I had changed up directions and we talk about music all the time. Big white dude played college football or whatever. His name's Todd, but Break Every Chain is his favorite wow. gospel song as well, so. Dormen to the strip club. Yeah, and so it, it's, it's, it's comical. It's like when you start wearing it on your sleeve, you start bringing people out of the closet and they start telling you a lot. 
hey man, you went, you I did the you same. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, next. Okay, we're gonna save you for last, Jason. So for me, my top five is Yahweh, Mally Music, Alabaster Box, David and Nicole Binion. Thank you, Richard Smallwood. Because of who you are, Vicky Yoey, and yes, Shekinah Glory Ministries. And I think what this says about me is that I'm just, I'm not high maintenance. If you look at the titles alone, they're very simple. And also, I can tell you that yes would maybe show you I'm a little rebellious because there are times <laughs> that I say, God, I love you, but your people, deuces. I can't do it. <laughs> and every time I can hear God through the songstress saying, there is more that I require of thee. So I think if you listen to my top five, it'll pre pretty much give you a take on who I am. Like for those that like to say, you know, she was a stripper. That's why I got alabaster box in there. I know exactly who I am and I'm coming to God and I'm crying, washing his feet with my tears and drying it with my hair. Might feel like a Brillo pad if my Afro was out, but that's exactly what I'm doing. I know exactly where I came from. And I think these five songs reflect Shamika's just simple. She's going to keep it simple and she's rebellious. <laughs> so mm, that's right. me. Now, for you, Jason, your top five, which is an all-time great, I will say that. The first one, something about the name Jesus, Kurt Franklin, and Rance Allen. Fill me up, Tasha Cobbs. Wide as the Sky, Isabel Davis. Uh, Waymaker, Benita Jones. And my testimony, Marvin Sapp. And when I saw your picks, when I looked at two, fill me up, and three, wide as the sky, I thought, oh, Jason must have picked these because they just sound fat and hungry. So that's <laughs> what I thought when I saw your picks. Because <laughs> I'm like, you know, fill me up, wide as the sky. <laughs> But, you know, it makes sense that you have my testimony on there because I do think you are constantly talking about where you came from, why you're so grateful, why you're so thankful of what God did. And you're constantly sharing your testimony. I think if I hear the word gluttony one more time, I'm going to gain five pounds myself. <laughs> so I think that. It's reflective of you as well, because you do tell your testimony every chance that you get and you live very transparent and wear your faith on your sleeve. And so I thought I could see those in your top five. You know where I thought and I didn't think of it until you just said it when you were reading the list. But clearly something about the name of Jesus. Anytime I say Jesus, I get emotional. And then the my test, I, it, I did the same thing you thought about my testimony. I was like, yeah, these do kind of re reflect my personality and spirit. Uh, so anyway, tell people how they can get our fearless playlist uh, one more time before we go. 
So they're going to actually put the playlist as a separate post. So check it out on YouTube and the links for the Spotify and the Apple music will should be in this show. But then also when they post the playlist as well, you will be able to find the Apple music and Spotify links there. All right, so there we got you. We got you taken care of. We got you some music to listen to as we tune our hearts and minds over the next six to eight months before our next roll call. Thank you, Shamika. Great job, as always. When we come back, TJ Moe's gonna join Anthony and I. I'm gonna share an email that was written to me and we'll get TJ and uh, Anthony's reaction to that next. Go to heaven with freedom. It's my obligation on hate discrimination, raising up your hands for freedom. All right, welcome back. Uh, We're going to bring T.J. Moe in, and he and Anthony and I are going to discuss an email I got in reaction to the roll call event. This email was very powerful, and it's, it's, anyway, I can't wait to hear, and I've already sent this to T.J. I think this will be Anthony's first time hearing it. Uh, Let me read the email. Mr. Whitlock, I really appreciated attending roll call, and I'm glad my wife, a skeptic, was able to attend with me. Seeing another black woman in line to get in, she went up to her and asked with a fake concern, are you here under duress? That got some laughs and she was joking slightly. But by the end of the day, she knew for sure this wasn't a cult and appreciated everyone basing their presentations on the word. At the end of the event, I asked, so are you on board with this? Yes, she said. Convincing her that the issues you've been talking about need to be addressed in our church has been a personal battle for me since 2020 when our church gave in to every fear of COVID and openly openly trashed white people following George Floyd's death, promoting BLM too, thankfully taking no official action to support BLM. My wife has been slowly moving toward the roll call viewpoints. You've given me so much clarity the past two years but I've also had to strengthen my biblical knowledge, again, helped by your contributors. In our church, about 12 women, including my wife, know the Bible as well as as your contributors. Only a few men do, and even those guys don't seem to be able to connect to to their daily lives. In order for our men to lead, they can't fake knowing the word. I've been catching up where I can at least Hang with our mature Christians these days. Laugh out loud. Men don't need to be experts, but they need to know the basics, and too many don't. So I'm on board with Zoom calls and family days. Our our biblically knowledgeable wives need to see this is a sound movement, and as men, we need to educate each other up. Also, if you know any men in my area... I'd love to connect with them. I met men from around the country at roll call, but didn't have time to talk to tons of people and didn't meet any from my area. I do have several men from my church, two in particular that I can actually open up with, and they are starting to understand things such as why abortion matters, why the trans movement is an issue, why we need men to step up in the church, et cetera. Hopefully I can get them to go to future roll calls with me. Thanks again for leading this effort prayerfully guy's name. 
this, this, I got this email and it's like, this, what I want is happening. And it's why I've surrounded myself with you guys. And it's, it's why I keep forcing you guys on, like, don't follow me. These guys are the experts. These guys, and, and it's, and I do want you to follow me because some of you are right where I'm at where you need to be looking for Anthony and Virgil and, and Delano and TJ and Dave Shannon and guys that are a little bit further along, a little bit more educated in the Bible, looking, and so I'm trying to model the, hey, these guys know more than me. Let's listen to them and follow them and to see this having a real impact. And because as the guy hammers the point that is so true and is what I'm trying, if we're going to lead, we gotta know the word because a lot of times we're dealing with women who know the word better than we do, and that's why they talk circles around us, and that's why we can't lead them. <laughs> and so, Anthony, I know yeah. you yeah. see this and deal with this and, and have to educate me. It, it, it's a shame that it took me this long to figure out, no, 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 you, you're not going to get a woman to follow you unless you're following this. Yeah. You might temporarily fool them. You might temporarily fool them with money and fame and all that, but that ride or die loyalty can only come through his work. Absolutely. And that's that's where, you know, I stress it with couples that we counsel prior to marriage. And, and that's one of the first places I start. And sometimes uh, the the potential husband, you know, he'll be like, yeah, we go to church. We go to church. I'm like, no. I'm not talking about going to church. I'm talking about studying God's word, like knowing his word, being able to walk with that day by day. Uh, I'm glad that Roll Call made that connection. Uh, Shamika shared a lot of the connections that were made there. Uh, I made tons of connections meeting with folk, um, but it was really encouraging uh, to see so many people tuned in to God's word and to process life through God's word. That's you know, one of the main reasons that I became a part of, of Fearless was to give a biblical perspective on our contemporary issues. That's actually what my walk is every day. It's already what I do. And to be able to contribute by bringing that to Fearless has been has been a blessing. TJ, your reaction to the email. I do. It's exactly what we're looking for. That guy on March 19th had sent us an email talking about his struggle. And so you had forwarded mm -hmm. that to us at that time over a month ago. And he was talking about how excited he was that his wife decided to come with them. They had been having some issues and, you know, just trying to find a church and what do they believe in, and how do we do this? And he's looking for clarity. And what that email that you just read was, was confirmation that they got that clarity. And where did they get that clarity from scripture? This is what, what we're trying to do is stand up there on stage and say, guys, Romans 12, 2, that's all we got to do. Renew your mind. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. So we all sit up there and we read scripture and we can, it, you cannot possibly be invested in the culture war in a real way until you get your direction from scripture, because otherwise, why does it matter? What we're trying to uphold is the word of God. And so God hands these things down to us and then he says, be the salt of the earth. Go do this, Matthew 5. And so what these guys are hearing and why it's so inspiring and can, for, for somebody who doesn't know scripture, your eyes are opened. I'm telling you, I was not nearly as invested in this culture war two, three, four years ago 
as I am now when I know scripture much better. I sit down and open my Bible every night now. And when we get people doing that, suddenly they're invested. And you, you may know scripture and it hasn't been, you know, again, the, sort of the difference between men and women. Men t- tend to be a little more aggressive. Men tend to be a little bit more logical. Men tend to be a little more assertive. And so when we read scripture, we're like, hey, we got to do something. And the women then can follow us. And so what we're trying to do up on that stage, it's Romans 12, too. The, the other thing we're trying to do with the show, and I, I've mentioned this before and I mentioned it on Saturday, is is because this is my gift. I can take a topic and figure out how to meld it to almost anything. I, I can uh, take what happened with Draymond Green, and if I get think about it long enough, I can think of a way to connect it to baking uh, a pecan pie. If I get enough time to think about it, I can connect it. And so what I'm doing on this show is thinking of ways every day to take what's going on in the sports world and TV and movie and come up with a way like, so how do I inject God into this conversation? And then I bring on people that know the Bible well and are out living the life with the family and all that and say, okay, now we can talk about the NBA playoffs through a biblical lens. Now we can talk about whatever this movie through a touch of the biblical lens or, or, or whatever. And so it, it's because I think too many people are separating God from the rest of their life. That, 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 yes. that, oh, that, that's something I do on Sundays. That's something I do on Wednesday. That's a whole different conversation. And so I'm just trying to give us the content and the connection so that people start training their minds to every issue can be thought through from a biblical lens. That little wristband that was popular for a long time, what would Jesus do? I'm trying to bring that to life so that everything. Should I turn right at this stop sign? If I get enough time to think about it, I can tell you the biblical reason why. <laughs> yes, you should. Yeah. And, and so I, I'm just trying to provide us. And, and so this man with his wife and with his church, and I'm hearing from so many people with their sons, with their daughters, they're able to watch this show and now they have something to talk about. And, and it and it's inspiring this guy the same way I'm telling you all, every time you come on the show, you're inspiring me like, man, I got to know the Bible better. I'm not going to sit here and let these dudes quote scripture better than me forever. It's not going to happen forever. But y'all put that pressure on me. We're putting the pressure on this guy. Yeah. And it, it's, it's, it's working. When you see what you just said, when you see men go from their beginning to now seeing the opportunity for God in every situation of life, that's when you really start seeing transformation. And that's what Paul is talking about in Romans chapter 12, verse two. He says we are transformed. And that word comes from a Greek word that that we get the English word metamorphosis from. When you think about how a caterpillar goes into a butterfly, once it goes through that metamorphosis, it doesn't change back. And so what we're looking at is once God really becomes a part of your life and you are transformed by how the renewing of your mind, once that takes place, 
you'll fly. You won't go back to being a caterpillar ever again. So when we see men go through that process of that transformation, they see everything. They see TV differently, whether they watch it as much anymore. They see entertainment as a whole differently. You start to see Wow, the enemy is really involved in this. Satan really has a hole. You start to see how it trickles down to our kids, how it impacts our marriage. You, it's, you see through a different lens just because we've used God's word. TJ, before I let you go, I want to know what was your favorite part of Roll Call? And do you have any suggestions on what we might do better? Can I respond? Do we have time to respond to what you said a second ago? Oh, yeah. No, take as much time as you want. Yeah. Yeah. So um, what part of part of that email, too, and why I think we're we're having such a positive response is, is that when people walked in the room and they saw the people that were there and they saw the speeches, they did not see a group of partisan hacks. They saw true believers who will stick to scripture and We're not pushing a conservative agenda. We care nothing about the conservative agenda. We care about the Jesus agenda. And so wherever that lines up, that's where we're landing. I think somebody who's actually committed to scripture can see that. And so it's much easier for somebody who would tend to have animosity to people who would line up with conservative ideals could come in there and say, these guys aren't so bad. I I trust my husband with them. They're going to lead them where scripture leads them. and And I'm on board with that. So you go, and that's what part of what you're talking about. With it was actually good for some wives to be there because they can see that this isn't, uh, you know, this isn't Sean Hannity up there. We're not up there just telling you the most recent political talking points. We're not interested. We're we're quoting scripture. And, and to the the second point, you know, it's like when we dive into scripture, we start talking about well, okay, the, well they're talking about separation of church and state, and you know I can have my politics over here, and Scripture says this, and then we start diving into it, and you're like, mm, Jesus doesn't say be the salt of the earth, except for when the United States is formed, and then at that point they're going to write in their constitution their separation of church and state, and so you guys stay out of it and stay in the corner there, like oh they're interested in politics because that's what Jesus tells us to do, and you start moving down this path. Okay, now you have context. You know, in my speech I talked about James four four. And I had never read that my, my whole life. I hadn't read that. If you're a friend of the world, you're going to become an enemy of God. And now you start reading things yourself and maybe it's not the most popular verse in the Bible, but it changes your whole perspective on the world. And so you get fed these 20 most popular verses ever, and you have one outlook on the world and you dive into that Bible yourself. And now you have a totally different outlook on the world. And so all these things working together as we're going through our journey, People can come on it with us and the wives of these people can see how genuine it is and that, hey, look, we're just learning too and we're trying to teach as we learn and we're trying to encourage, but this is a safe place for men who are really trying to seek after God. And so um, that was that was one of my takeaways. As far as my, my favorite part, I loved looking across the crowd when I was up in my speech and I could find a new person every time I looked up to meet eyes with somebody. And there'd be the nine-year-old kid that Shamika was talking about. And then there'd be a 75-year-old bald white guy. And then there'd be a 38-year-old black dude. And then it's just one after the next. It was such a mixed bag of people that all care about the same thing. And that they came from, you know, we talked about this, I think, Monday, Hawaii or Pennsylvania or California or Florida. Or it didn't matter. It was, it was just a diverse group of people that proved that all the nonsense you see on Every single one of the main cable stations is just that, because the thing that unites us is Jesus. If we're actually seeking after that, 
We've got it. We found the uniter. Jesus told us he was the great uniter, right? He's the great divider too, but he's also the great uniter for the people that buy in on this stuff. And so what we have found the solution to all of the problems. Everything divides us all day long, every day. But we found something that can put us together. What I would like to see different, and you sort of disagree with me on this, I think, but um, I would like an actual time of worship where we go out there and worship together with them. When we had the entertain, to me, it was a little more entertainment. I know we played, I think, Amazing Grace and some other songs that were Christian songs. And we have our fearless songs like from Tamara and from, you know, the Harmony song and all that. I would like some actual worship songs because, again, we, we may disagree on some politics. We may even have some different theological differences. What we can all do is stand out there and worship Jesus together. And so I would love to get on stage. I would love for us to be out there and actually have a time of worship together with our crew. That's an easy adjustment. Uh, thank you, TJ. Uh, when we come back, Anthony, I know he's got, he's already told me, or he told me on Saturday or Sunday or some point, uh, what his suggestion will be. Can't wait to hear that. Uh, can't wait to share that with you guys. Uh, Virgil Walker will be here. So we'll get, a, you know, Virgil's a hypercritical person. We'll get Virgil's critique. He was the mastermind, helped me put this, help us put this thing on. Virgil and Anthony, next. All right, welcome back. Uh, we will end with a little Tennessee harmony, and I ask for that because I want to ask Anthony uh, to pray for me as Virgil uh, gives his critique of the roll call. I know how uh, critical he's going to be. Uh, I'm sure at some point he'll compare me to Mike Todd. Uh, but so uh, pray for me, uh, Anthony, that uh, Virgil takes it easy on me uh, during this segment. Let's pray. Father God, we're so thankful uh, for today. Father, we're thankful for uh, the Fearless Army roll call. We're thankful for the vision that you uh, shared through Jason, and we're thankful to have been able to see the fruits of that vision and to connect with so many and to extend your word. Father, we pray uh, as we continue this roll call, as we think of ways to improve everything we do, we want to be pleasing and acceptable to you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Uh, Anthony, get us rolling. We'll, we'll make Virgil wait before he tears into me. Uh, how can we improve? What did you like? What, 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 how can we improve? I'll share what I liked. Um, when we do this, I remember during the pandemic um, and preaching and teaching through the camera you don't really know the impact that that has. And so doing this here in studio, you know, we send it out, we have so many followers and all of that kind of thing. But this just gave us a sample to see those who support Fearless, who believe in the cause, believe in the vision, and to be able to connect with that, I, I just, that was a joy for me. I just really, really loved that. And people from around the country, um, I, I've told you, Jason, I go and speak around the country a lot of places. And, and now, after being on Fearless, when I go to places, sometimes it's connected to the church, but sometimes people just show up and they say, hey man, I saw you on Fearless. We appreciate what you do. We believe in that. So being able to connect and to see all those men. Uh, you know, we have our men's retreat. 
it's something that I'm just invigorated about seeing men after God's way. It's like there's nothing better. So I, I really enjoyed that. A uh, couple of things I think we could add. Um, uh, you know, as a preacher, I, I'm always anytime I'm presenting, anytime I'm preaching the gospel, there's an altar call, man. I, I'm extending the gospel and, and we're ready to baptize some folk into Christ. We're ready to start people anew on their life in Christ. So I think that's something we could, you know, possibly do at the next one. Um, and also some prayer sessions. Um, I'm in a part of a, an event coming up in a couple of weeks in Murfreesboro. And one of the things that we made sure to add in that was just a time for prayer. Um, I, we had nearly a thousand guys there, as was said, to, to send them off with, hey, we're praying with you. All of us grab, you know, 40, 50 guys, get some circles together and let's pray over all the issues or all the concerns or even the things that we've gotten out of this weekend. Uh, I think that would be uh, beneficial. I'll leave some room for Virgil because I know uh, the whole piece on the, the women. He may have a he may have a point on that. <laughs> he may. If not, I'll, I'll circle back to it. Uh, but lastly, last last but not least, uh, and something that we could even do right now is just a hashtag, you know, hashtag fearless army roll call. Everybody that went, you know, tag your pictures on Instagram or, or Twitter uh, just so that we can, again, relive the roll call. That, that, that's the kind of detail we should have gotten from our director. Yeah. Uh, Virgil. Yeah. I mean, yeah. why that wasn't handled by Virgil speaks to. Yeah. All the extra work I had to do to make right. sure that this came off properly. Man. I had to think of nearly everything. But anyway, Virgil, uh, <laughs> uh, welcome. Uh, our co-MVP, he and Tiffany uh, share the MVP trophy. Uh, my vote went to Tiffany, but uh, Mine too. luckily my, you know, my vote didn't count any more than anybody else's. So. <laughs> Somehow Virgil got the uh, co-MVP, but uh, Virgil, your thoughts? I thought it was a fantastic event. It was exciting, like has been said already, to see you know 800 to 1,000 men show up and engage in what we've been doing uh, in Fearless. Uh, I love what Anthony said, which is it's one thing to have kind of a two-dimensional uh, experience via video. It's a different experience altogether when you're seeing these people come up to you, these men come up to you and shake your hand and thank you for how you've shared uh, a message of the gospel, how you've made uh, issues that they've engaged in more clear as we've uh, efforted on this program to, to express a biblical worldview. Uh, that was the joy, just in seeing all of those men. There are very few places you can go uh, and find 100 plus, or 800 plus to 1,000 men gathering together for these kinds of causes. Uh, I love the fact that this was not a political uh, politically motivated. Uh, there was not. It was not a politically motivated focus. While we could talk about political issues, uh, at the heart of the matter were the issues related to how do how do I get my life together? How do I walk things out in a way that honors God? Uh, how do I how do I better honor my wife, my family? Different speakers, the whole nine yards. I loved all of the speakers. Uh, everybody, I thought did a fantastic job. They had their own lane, their own vein. Uh, I, I was impressed by how much. Each speaker was able to compress in the 20 minutes that you gave each one. So they, they weren't up doing hour and a half or hour long speeches. Each man got 20 minutes to deliver their message. Uh, and they did so in an incredibly power packed way. So all of those aspects were wonderful. And then as, as someone who 
primarily operated behind the scenes, man. It was fun to work with a team uh, that put this together, the folks at The Blaze uh, that were co-laborers in this. Uh, Tiffany, who my, if, if, if we're co-MVP, I'll take my hat off and give her the MVP. She, she did a lot, of the, a lot of the lead work. I'd call her or text her and say, here's what needs to be done, and she would just execute it. And uh, just did a fantastic job. The whole team, Butter. I mean, you you named all the folks, you know, in the early early in the week. Just an amazing, amazingly talented group of people who came together and made executing something that was done with excellence. They made it very easy, very simple to do. So all those things were wonderful. You have nothing we can improve on. Uh, I know you well, ran yeah, the event, and I know you're reluctant to criticize yourself. You know, but there's I've, I've nothing got, we could do I've, better. I've got, a, I've got a laundry list here of things that we could do better. I'll try to, <laughs> I could walk through those, but I'll, I'll wait for. <laughs> I'll wait. I'll wait for another time. I'll simply say one of the things that would be great to do uh, this next go around uh, is to have breakout sessions. I know you have the main speakers on the main floors. Uh, you had the 20 minutes that each person spoke, but it'd be great to have your main plenary uh, speakers, your main speakers, and then have some breakout rooms where guys can do deeper dives where they've got issues. Uh, maybe have an expert come in and talk about issues around, uh, you know, you struggle with pornography. Here's a biblical answer to that particular issue. Have you struggled in, you know, with, with the area of, of addictions of any kind? Here's a, here's a biblical way in which you can, you can uh, handle that and have an expert in that area that you've, that you've vetted, that we trust as a team to go in and, and share some biblical points of view on, on deeper dive issues. But again, that's, that's a, a, an opportunity for, uh, for the next time. And, uh, you know, I, I love what TJ Mo said about us singing. I was talking with Dave Shannon. He was like, man, we should have sang together. Can you imagine you know, 800 to 1,000 men, vo- male voices singing? And, you know, I, yeah, so yeah. a lot of – I can't of get things. Anthony to commit. Anthony's the best <laughs> singer among us all. Every time I ask him to sing, he's like, where's my money? I got <laughs> 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 I got you. I got you. <laughs> yes, we can. Well, we can do something. I, I think it's great. I, I I think of all the criticisms, the prayer one is my biggest regret, and and I say that because I'm sitting here thinking about a man that came up and told me about his wife Catherine, yeah. and he did it. I think it was around lunchtime. I'm out on the floor. And 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 there was a break between and I meant to mention his wife because there were other people that came up to me when I was on stage in between sessions. And I immediately went to the microphone and talked about their issues. And I would have loved to have put that man's wife because he was very emotional and it made as he's doing it. And as other people were coming up telling me what was going on in their life, I thought about you, Anthony. I was like, Anthony deals with this. Every day, because every time someone come up and told me a story, I started crying because they're, you know, man's his wife's fighting cancer. And he, you know, he came here because he needed the uplift. And 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 I'm listening to these stories. And then the guy told me about his young son. Uh, I I had a chance to pray with that. This is so. I was just yeah. saying I had a I was about to, to I, say I, I know that Virgil Virgil had I saw Virgil with some uh Bobby did and I prayed with some as well either those individually that we met some guys would pull you aside so we had some of those but yeah, yeah if we could do that on a larger scale it would be great and and I think the uh uh singing will definitely uh incorporate more into that 
TJ, I had to tell him yesterday, I think, he was like, oh, we should. And I know Tamara wrote an original Christian song that she sang. It's, it's an original, so it's not a song that people were familiar with. And I know Allie sang um, uh, Amazing Grace. And uh, the, the issue we had with Tay is uh, he had another event, and so he had to leave right away. Tay's going to be a part of whatever we do next. That dude is super talented. Not that Ali and Tamara are not, yeah, he, but he was uh, a beast. That brother's super talented. Yeah. And and so we will make music and and singing uh, a bigger part. Virgil, I want your thoughts uh, because I know Christian uh, here that works with us. Christian Newland shares uh, Anthony's uh, view that we needed an altar call and we needed to be prepared to baptize people. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, I'm, I'm not a big fan of that in, in, in that space. Uh, we're not a church. Uh, I, think you, I think that needs to be brought into that space where people are being discipled one-on-one uh, and, and there's someone to, to connect with them. If you're, you're baptizing someone, you know, the next question is where, where are they going to church? So some el- there's some missing elements in, in that process. I, I, I understand the uh, the desire to do that. I, I, I do. I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, that, that's not a space I would do that. I would encourage, I would uplift. Uh, I, I would, I would even, I would even share gospel proclamation, but I would try to connect them to a local church, uh, and someone that's there that can disciple them. But I, I, I appreciate the sentiment. I think there's, there's, there's great wisdom, uh, in, in providing gospel proclamation, but that would be the extent of it. And so I think that's kind of where I land. And so what I would like to do, I think there's a way to uh, split the middle here and satisfy everybody, because Anthony was sharing with me that three or four couples or people came to his church on Sunday. That's great. So what I think we'll we'll do the next time is we will have designated a preferred church location for us to fellowship Sunday morning and still allow people to go to an early church service and get on the road. And so we will have partnered with some church in Nashville, or if we take it to Indianapolis, the where we can say, hey, okay, our event is over, but tomorrow we're all going to go worship at this church here Sunday morning. And if those of you feel it or what, this will be the place where if you want to get baptized or you want to be discipled at a church environment, we can do that Sunday morning. I think yeah, it, that it, may it, be. Uh, yeah, I was just going to say either that or, or provide a variety of different spaces for folks for, with, with different denominational backgrounds to say, hey, here's here's where here's where our group is going. But if you're interested in something a little bit more this style or that style or, or the other, here are places that we would recommend on that basis. And, and again, ha- have it have it pushed through the grid uh, of fearless to make sure that it's biblical, that it's sound. Uh, I don't want them going to experience an, a, a Mike Todd experience at all. I want them to get sound biblical doctrine. I want them to have you know substantive preaching that's taking place uh, so that they can enjoy worship on the Lord's day. Yeah, I, I like it because one thing I think we'll get on the next one is uh, and it's not that we struggled with buy in, but I know I met. Or re-met many local ministers that came uh, to the event and shook my hand and gave me their card and promised me they're going to follow up and reach out that want to work with us, want to be a part of it. And so I, I think 
next time we're going to get a lot more cooperation because I, I felt like there were some people that wanted to enthusiastically came, but like me, wanted to see it. Mm -hmm. And that, that's I said that on the stage. I wanted to see it. And I don't blame ministers and, and leaders of Congress. Hey, I want to see this. I want to make sure is this about Jesus or is it about politics? And I, I think we made it real crystal clear. You know, this is only about Jesus. Uh, and, and to the point where I, when people ask some questions at the end, I was like, nah, that ain't what this is about. But uh, anyway, I, Virgil, I, I, I do want to thank you so much for all the work that you did. Uh, you know, there I haven't received one email that didn't mention or in some way how first class the event was. And it, it was first, and that, that's part of my standard in terms of, I, I don't want to be involved in anything that doesn't measure up to the best. And, and it almost felt like, and I think a lot of people felt like, you gotta be, this can't be the first time they did this. This was, this operated, looked like, felt like, We've been doing this for years, and, and perhaps that's because Virgil has been doing it for years. <laughs> maybe. Or maybe Tiffany just covered for you, Virgil. You, she, you, she, you, she, she, covered, she, covered. She, she, she covered. I will tell you, Jason, I appreciate the, you know, the, the, the kind words. At the end of the day, you have an incredibly powerful, fearless team. Uh, and again, you know, I've, I've got a full time job. I mean, this was something I tried to help with and, and, and consult with. And uh, were it not for every 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 person involved from the speakers and how they prepared uh, to T.J. Mo, who was kind of spearheading all of the moving parts to Tiffany, to Butter. to I mean, you had an incredible team. And then folks who stepped up like the, the, the logo people. I mean, it was everywhere we turned. Uh, it seemed to be just God ordained as, as, as far as people coming in, connecting and making it all happen. Hold on, I, I, I know you're not done yet. Go, go ahead, continue on. Who else did a good job? Uh, you did a great job, Jason. You were fantastic oh, in your school. Oh, I, no, I'm, I'm too, don't, don't praise me. I'm, I'm much too <laughs> humble for that. Don't mention me. Don't, I had nothing to do with this. I have a stop. whole critique of you, stop. brother. I have a whole, I, but I, wanted to, <laughs> I, I didn't want to put it out there. I, I, even, I even used a word with regard to your speech uh, that you gave. It was one, I, I, I told you, when you got off the stage, it was definitely the pinnacle of everything. I actually wanted to land the plane there. Uh, you, you, of course, went to the Q&A piece. Uh, I said you were very Trumpian uh, in your presentation, and it had nothing to do with politics. Uh, it had everything to do with some of the things that you would say or how you would say them. And I said, uh, I, uh, I wouldn't have said it like that. But you said it, and, and it came out, and it was spot on. But I was like, I, I would have cleaned it up. You know, I would have, I would have sharp, you know, but smoothed the edges. Nah, that wasn't how you were going to do it. You did it how you did it. So, but it was great, So you, I had a great You time. did not like the way that I told uh, the ladies that they won't be invited to Roll Call 2? Come on, come you on, Virgil. You like that? I, I, I didn't mind you saying it. It was the way you said it that was, that was a little bit, that, that kind of was Trumpian. It was a little bit... A little bit, a little bit, you know. Well, I, I, I want to, I agree with you. I agree with the critique. But the message I'm trying to get out and, and, and I'm, the women that were uncomfortable, I'm, 
I think you need to be uncomfortable. Uh, you know, as gonna, men, down. we're double, being made up. He's, yeah. he's doubling all the way down. Yeah, men, we're made to be uncomfortable virtually every day and, and told that, you know, we're the worst thing that's ever happened to the world. And, and I want to create an environment where it's like, we may be the worst thing that happened to the world, but we need to do better. We got to clean it up. And in order to do that, we have to gather as men and clean each other up and get each other on point because we have fallen down. But trust me, the world will not be right without our leadership. And, and you can go run around, kiss your wife's butt and women's butt all you want. And Shaq can tell Angel Reese she's the greatest thing in the world in the basketball history. But it's not true. It, it, it's man. And, and I want men to know how important they are and, and how screwed up we are as well, including this guy. Yeah. Uh, but I, I just, it's an environment for men and the work we need to do needs to be done among men. And we're going to have, and we've already talked about this, me and Virgil had a brief conversation, TJ and I had a brief conversation. What's your thoughts and we'll land the plane here, Anthony, but I, I do want to do some sort of fathers and family or husbands and wives social mm-hmm. event where perhaps the men gather during the day and some strategy around fearless and what we're trying to do. And then at night we have a social event where you get dressed up, bring your wife and, and we need to, so that, that kind of diversity needs to socialize together as Christians and, and not run off in our own little corners mm-hmm. based on other things. And so that, that, before we do the next roll call, I think my gut says we're going to do a social event for men and their wives. Mm. One, one of the comments that one of my deacons that did not get to come at the last minute, he told me just last night, he's like, maybe suggest some kind of family portion. I was yeah. like, wow, and you're just now saying it. The only thing I would say about the, the wives piece is you do want their support yeah. for what they're doing. And so you could, like, it was almost like you didn't even want them in the city. Like, hey, y'all, <laughs> y'all are gone. You just send your men. And you want them to, like, hey, they may travel. They may be at the hotel. But when he's done for the day, you know, we'll give him a couple of hours. He'll come back to the hotel. But we don't want to just, he doubled down, Virgil. It, 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 <laughs> I thought I said very clearly, wives, no problem. If that's what it took to get your husband here and to get you comfortable, I, no problem. You won't be invited to the next one. But actually, there were some women there unescorted. I don't want to call anybody out, but I got triggered by one that I thought was inappropriately dressed. And, and look to be shopping rather than, uh, you know, any other real mission there. And I, I, I don't want wives thinking that that's what's going on. Gotcha. That there's some predators yeah. in the room with my husband. Yeah. And that's just keeping it real. And so I wanted to make that unescorted group of women uncomfortable. And, and if they can't handle it, uh, it says more about them than me and my it's an event. It's an event for men. And, and I, I, like I said, we, we hold a men's retreat and several men's events. So I get doing men need that space and it needs to be unadulterated. But I, I wouldn't want the guys, hey, honey, you can't even come with me on this trip. Like, no, I'll come. But 
You got to stay at the hotel. Just day. like at your church, I guarantee you, all the wives feel very good yeah. about the men going off with you. Oh, yeah. Because oh, yeah. when they get back, it's like, oh, man, right. look, he done made some adjustments. This yeah. works for me. That's how I want women to feel about this. Gotcha. It's gotcha. like, we're going to send somebody back better. Amen um, to and, that. And, and, and your husband will get to come and tell me the stupid stuff I say that makes you uncomfortable and ruins the show for the wife, and maybe I'll make some adjustments when I hear from them. Uh, but anyway, I think, and Virgil, unless you got a final thought, I think that may I be I just want to say, oh. I, I want to say also, thanks, Virgil. Uh, one of the things I learned about Virgil is if Virgil says, I got you, he got you. He took care of everything. Great job, my man. Yeah. Thank, thank you, brother. I, I, Jason, I love the team. I love what you've brought together. I love the, the, the show Fearless and, and then what you're doing with Roll Call. Absolutely outstanding. I anticipate bigger, better, greater things in the days ahead. Uh, I'm honored to be a, a part. The, the, the part that I play, I'm, I'm honored to be a part of it. So that's, that's what I'll leave with. There is room. If you want to go on about me, there is room. Now, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm good. Play, play Harmony. We'll see you tomorrow. <laughs> We'll see you tomorrow. How did we end up so divided? Stop fighting and stand tall. We used to be a nation, one united. Now we're headed for downfall Gotta let your light shine down What we need more than anything Get to me Open up your eyes and see